Hey, it's Mike Grimm, host of the Go Gopher podcast, inviting you to join me for a live on-site episode on Thursday, October 5th at Head Flyer Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis. We'll be previewing the Minnesota-Michigan game, which is that week, the battle for the Little Brown Jug. We'll give away a pair of tickets to that game, have a couple of Gopher players on hand, and get everyone in the mood for Golden Gopher football. Head Flyer Brewing will have discounts, including great deals on buying Little Brown Jugs of craft beer, and the little brown jugs are not that little. Thursday, October 5th, Head Flyer Brewing. Happy hour starts at 6, the show goes at 7, the Go Gopher podcast. Can't wait to see you at Head Flyer Brewing. Welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio uh, on location at uh, the LaPanta household uh, where it just smells like they had a wonderful, it feels like Sunday, but it's really Wednesday dinner. Um, Great dinner, but you were too late to eat with us. I know. I was watching the Twins downtown, not at the ballpark, although, man, it seems like that was uh, just the place we to be tonight. We do have a television here, and I we're happen to be watching the same game. I know. I, I had a terrific a, London a, broil sandwich. You would have loved it. I was at a cigar club uh, hanging out there. You can't uh, smoke cigars in my kitchen. I know. That's It would have smelled, made it smell a little worse. Um, thanks, as always, to our sponsors. Our next live show is actually is the night before the home opener, October 11th, 7 p.m. at LC's Two for One Grain Belts. Definitely come on down there. We're going to have plenty to talk about October 11th, uh, again, 7 p.m. at LC's. Uh, let's start with the Twins. Anthony, your, uh, your, your side job, as we like to say. Um, who would have thought you score five runs in a series and you sweep? Uh, it, it actually, it kind of reminded me of the Eastern Conference Final last year where, where Carolina was actually great defensively but just couldn't score. Uh, I think uh, Florida outscored them like two by two in the series and one. But, um, man, this team's got some heart. They have some heart. They have a one-two punch at the start of their top end of the rotation that is better than any they've had during this run of playoff appearances since mm-hmm. 2002. And they have some hard-throwing guys coming out of the bullpen, a handful of guys that are all throwing upper 90s, if not hitting triple figures. And then they have a bona fide superstar in Royce Lewis. Yeah. This guy is, he's not even 162 games into his big league career. And I look at him and think this guy is going to be an MVP someday. He is that special a player and seems to thrive when the lights are the brightest, when the stage is the biggest. He wants to be in there in the biggest moments. He's come through all year in those moments few times where the season was hanging in the balance, then he'd come up with a big hit. I would have been shocked if he didn't have a big game in the first game back after he'd missed 10 games of the injury, comes back, hits home runs in his first two at bats. Yeah. He's just a special player and he has a little bit of that it factor. And again, it's way too early in his career to be making comparisons that are this out of this world, perhaps, but he reminds me of, Tory Hunter of that kind of personality of Kirby Puckett is in a different level, but those guys, 
And those guys did it for a long time. He's a long way from being what those guys ended up being. But at this point in his career, he looks like he's got the chance to be that kind of a guy, face of the franchise type guy, always smiling, always happy, and a team guy mm -hmm. just wants to win. I, I think it's that's the kind of player you have to have step up in these kind of playoff spots. And, and with the two starters at the start did exactly what they were supposed to do. Lopez and Gray were both terrific. That's why you can win a series scoring five runs. Yeah. Um, back to your uh, original thought, too. I mean, the the law office of uh, Th Falvey and Levine, um, you know, both those are trades. Uh, Lopez, which, you know, I, I, you give up a rise, not easy to, to do. Um, and then obviously Sonny, Sonny as well, Sonny Gray. Um, I got a chance to watch with uh, his buddy uh, Scott Casimir yesterday uh, the, the Lopez game. It was fascinating to listen to a former big league pitcher talk baseball. Um, former you know what started game one for the the Rays AL strikeout leader once um and just listening to him talk about pitching but the the fact that these two came in here you make these trades for this moment but you don't know these moments are ever going to come and then you know it takes it takes some gusto by both those guys to make those moves especially the arise one I think is the tougher one because the guy is coming off a batting championship season when you make the deal and they gave away prospects in the Sunny Gray trade like for 400 sure. for half the year. Right. And won a batting title. Yeah. Hit 354 and did exactly what he had done here, maybe even better. And yet they just looked at it and said, our team has a better chance to win with a first line, top of the rotation starting pitcher that we don't have. And Arise was a guy that, to some extent, just was a guy without a position, wasn't going to be in the middle infield. Probably not enough pop in his bat to be your everyday first baseman. And it was a trade that probably helped both teams. One, one side gets the batting champ. The other side gets a game one starter that wins a playoff game. Yeah, and uh, the fielding in this series was absolutely awesome. I mean, again, today, but yesterday, I mean, the play that Mick Correa made was unreal. Um, you know, the, the play to end the game was was outstanding. But then that, you know, the play that almost got overshadowed because of the other two plays is the play in center. When, uh, I mean, Toronto could have taken the lead off if that ball hits the wall. Yeah, the, and Correa is supposed to do it. Mm -hmm. And with all of his offensive struggles, this guy is special with the glove. He is really something to watch. And why he's a platinum glove winner. He's, he's one of the best, I'm trying to think of other shortstops that it's a totally different era, but I mean, he's just a cut above every other shortstop in the league. I, I don't remember... The last time I saw a show, maybe Ozzie Smith yeah, was, was the last guy that did mm -hmm. that did things differently than any other shortstop in the league as often as he does. And that play, it's instinctual, it's athletic, and it was a game changer. The play he made at the plate in game one. Michael A. Taylor made a couple terrific plays. And, but I think there were a couple other subtle plays the Twins made that frankly are plays they didn't execute real well all season. There was a pickoff at second base today that yeah, was Sonny Gray. that was maybe as big a play as there was in the game. Yep. And that was at a time where the Jays had a chance to turn things over. They had they turned a big double play behind Caleb Thielbar, who incidentally hadn't induced a double play ground ball all season. And then <laughs> gets one with the bases loaded and one out today. I just think those are the kind of things that have to happen if you're going to have a team that makes a run in the playoffs. Yeah. You've got to have some things go your way, and then your best players have to be your best players. And the Twins' best players were great so far. Mm -hmm. Lewis, Correa, the two starting pitchers, Duran at the end of both games. 
and then they've had a few other things go their way. You're a, you're an analytics geek. Um, what do you think of Barrios? I'd like to say I'm an analytics person. Yep. Barrios coming out today. I mean, like, what computer is saying is yeah. is telling you to do that with, uh, you know, no runs against, a leadoff walk, 40-something pitches, and you throw another guy in there, you know, cold out of the bullpen? I thought that was uh, – I thought it was early. And I don't know what – I haven't been following Toronto that closely late in the season – I really, frankly, thought the Twins were going to end up playing somebody else. I didn't think it was likely to be Toronto. It sounded like the the way their rotation was set up, Barrios was a guy they would have liked to have had start game three instead. Bassett was the guy that they would have wanted in game two, but I think it, because of his rest, he couldn't go. So I don't think they were... It doesn't surprise me that Barrios didn't have a long leash, but I thought that was a real early pull for a guy who looked like yeah. he had good stuff. Yeah, no score. And and this is a little bit the, the age of baseball today. Stupid. There's more <laughs> analytics in it than I think there need yeah. to be. There's a balance, and, and I am an analytics guy. I I love the new ways of thinking about every sport, not just baseball, and different ways of evaluating who's actually giving you a better chance to win in a certain situation. But I think there's some with pitching particularly that gets that there's some overthinking involved. There's yeah. a time where you have to be able to sit back and say, this guy wants the ball right now. He's pitching against his former team on a big stage. He wants to be the man mm -hmm. and he's pitching like a guy who has the stuff today. Let's eskew the numbers and just go. And I, I think they had predetermined that once they got to that point in the game, that you get the lefty Kepler coming mm -hmm. up, runner on base in a 0-0 game, we're going to make the move. And I've always felt one of the problems with that approach, and the Twins use it a lot, both on the offensive side and the pitching side, maybe more on the offensive side than any team in the league. But when you do it on the pitching side, you now require like five guys to all be sharp on the same day. And that's tough to do day after day after day after day. Sometimes you just need your starter to go out, give you seven innings so that you're only counting on two guys out of your bullpen instead of needing four or five different relievers to all be good. Yeah. Not only are you an analytics geek, but you're a um, you know true and proud Minnesotan. And uh, as we all know, losing is a core part of any Minnesotan's identity. Um, you know, how exciting do you think this is for the fans? I mean, the ballpark, the last two games, like I watched the Devil Rays game yesterday. There was 19,000 people there for a playoff game. Like for the, the fans at Target Field to put on such a, I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. It was loud. And it, I know there was some question as to whether they'd sell out game one for sure. And, I happened to have looked at some of the secondary ticket stuff just because Ariana was coming into town and had thoughts of trying to go to the game. You could get tickets granted in the upper deck for like three, four, five dollars. It was crazy how cheap they were. And and I expected there to be forty percent Toronto fans in the stadium. When we played the Blue Jays here during the regular season, the Toronto fan base was very close. To the Minnesota fan base in the stadium that night, but not for this. And the crowd was into it. They were loud. They were roaring. And I think now maybe they've captured the attention of Twins fans. I kept waiting for that to happen during the regular season. And I, there's a lot of reasons why, potentially why, it wasn't happening. And 
maybe it's still some of the hesitation about going downtown. Maybe some of it was just the fact that they were a 500 club for most of the year and people were maybe not even aware that they were on top of their division and, and a near lock to go to the playoffs. Maybe it has something to do with the way the game's played. I'm not sure, but there, for whatever reason, the fans weren't jumping on late this season like I thought they would. But they sure did in this series, and now I got to believe that place is yeah. going to be a madhouse when Houston comes for Game Three. Yeah, uh, what, tell us just quickly about Houston, then we'll talk about the Wild. Well, I, Houston, I think, is a tough matchup for the Twins. I think they were maybe on this side of their bracket the toughest matchup. I thought Seattle would have given Minnesota some trouble with their one-two starters at the front, but if you continue to get the kind of pitching that they're getting from the guys like Lopez and Gray, who they probably won't be able to start games one and two, but they'll be in this series early. Neither one of them went tremendously deep in this start. It was gray five innings and Lopez. I don't know if it was five and a third or five and two thirds in game one, but I think it'll be a tough matchup, but not insurmountable. I think this twins club's got a little magic going right now. Yeah. They were really good down the stretch. I think they started to develop a, a swagger and a belief that they could win. They do have, have shown the ability to come from behind. They have the ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark and they just have power arms that they haven't had before. All right. Let's talk a little wild um, uh, day after we did this podcast last week, uh, wild resigned, not resigned. I shouldn't say resigned, extended the contracts of uh, both Matt Zuccarello. So Matt's gets a two-year deal at 4.25 million AAV. Um, and that takes him another three years in the organization and Marcus Foligno gets a four-year extension or $16 million. I think we'll talk a lot about that because that's the one that's really drawn a lot of the attention of Wild fans. Um, and so that puts um, him, another 30-year-old player, 32, takes him for five more years. Um, let's talk about Zuccarello first. Uh, I think that we both agree on that one, that first of all, he takes a significant haircut. He had to, obviously, to be resigned. There's nobody in this organization right now that we can envision, at least next year especially, um, playing with Kirill Kaprizov and putting a puck on his, on his platter. He has never been the fastest guy, so really legs-wise, I don't think you're worried about him losing a step. He's always been one of the smartest players on the ice, so that's the big reason why I think that they made that commitment. I agree, and I, I don't think two years is at all too long for Zuccarello. He just looks like the type of player who has shown no signs of slowing in these recent years, still played 78 games last year, and he was over 70 the year before. He's been as productive offensively these last two years as he's been at any point in his career. I don't see any reason why not to believe that for the next couple of years he's going to be good, and, and I think that dollar value is a fair one. The Felino one I do, I, I understand the people that are scratching their heads on it, and. I don't think four years is any problem. I think four times four surprised me a little bit. I yeah. thought it might be more in the three million range per season. But Billy's been a big character guy ever since he arrived. And they've been really careful. Every guy they have brought in, and almost without fail, when you think about all the guys they've added, even if they were just trade deadline rental type guys, they've been really careful about disrupting what they believe is a special locker room. And Felino is a huge part of that. He does things for this team that nobody else does. I think to be worth four over four years, 
He probably has to land somewhere in between his career high scoring season of two years ago and where he was last year. And we talked about that. It's probably reasonable to say he lands somewhere in between there. He's, but he has to continue to be a physical presence and provide a little bit of punch. Yeah. And if he does that, mm -hmm. he's worth it because of the fact that, you know, let's, I don't think that this is a, this decision is made in a vacuum where remember one of the core leaders of this club was Matt Dumba, who's gone. And if you risk Polino leaving, you're talking about two of the guys that were heart and soul might be a strong word, but they certainly were a part of the heart and soul of this team. And if in the span of two years, you take those two guys both away, you're not certain what you're going to have in terms of that somebody driving the boat. Yeah. And Felino allow this allows you to continue on the same page you're on. You know, um, you know, to get back to your point of like where he's got to be in between to make the deal work, the biggest thing he's got to do is stay on the ice. You know, he runs hot. <laughs> he's temperamental to say the least. Uh, look, we, I think we all think that the penalties in game four were bogus penalties. And we definitely think the penalty in game five at a minimum was a minor, certainly not one to warrant being ejected from the game. The league later admitted that was a mistake call and it turned that entire game upside down. Um, but he does run hot. He gets his wires crossed every now and then and just draws the attention of the referees. So that's one thing that he'll definitely have to be uh, careful. The, and the whole team has to be able to do that. Absolutely. In and, I, and we're going to, I think, see that this year because Dean has made it a point to point out that he's going to try to, you know, keep his temper down uh, because he, he does think that sometimes maybe the team takes on the personality of the coach. Um, with Marcus, um, you know, the biggest thing to me, the concern is the term. Like, you know, that takes him he, – he, he's missed 50-some-odd games the last uh, two, two or three seasons. Now, some of that is COVID, and he, he, he was – you know, he was patient zero for a lot of those COVID incidents, um, although he'll tell you that he got it from – uh, Athanasio, I think it was uh, for LA, um, which is not, not inaccurate. Um, but, um, you know, I think that the, his style of play, the damage that he causes both physically laying hits and being hit, um, makes him an injury risk. And that I think is a big issue with the contract. Um, and the other thing is like, look, like, they keep on running it back. And I think that's where wild fans are starting to get really frustrated here is that, you know, one, they, they're, everybody's under the impression that when these two years of cap hell are up, they're, they're going to go out and spend a fortune. The more contracts that you sign like this, the less money you are going to be able to spend. Um, because especially at the time that you got to resign Kaprizov, Volstad, Rossi and Faber are going to be coming off their entry levels. If some of their other prospects look like they're going to be studs. Um, they are going to get paid. I mean, Faber is going to get a big contract on on contract two, the way that Young D are going. Um, so I think that's a big concern too that that fans are worried about, Anthony. Well, and I understand that concern. I understand looking at it, saying we keep locking these guys in. But the reality is, you these guys, you're locking in Felino. He's a role player. You're locking in Freddie Gaudreau. He's a role player. And if you just look at their number without looking at the whole picture, Goodrow for what they're paying him is worth it for a guy who is going to fit somewhere in your bottom six, can elevate for a short term if you need somebody, can kill penalties, can take face-offs, defensively responsible. And Felino, he can fill a role, even if he's playing third or fourth line minutes, he, he brings something that you just don't have elsewhere in the organization. 
I think when you look at what they felt over the last couple of years, when they always thought we had to bring somebody else in to provide that grit. Well, here's a guy that has grit, but also enough skill to be a hockey player. And so I think you can look at it and say, we'll get that guy locked in. There's some cost certainty here now with this roster because you have so many of these guys locked up that I still think you're in a good position when all of a sudden you don't have to be $15 million under the salary cap where you'll have enough money to re-sign Kaprizov Mm -hmm. and supplement your roster because the rest of the roster is going to be made up by the guys that are currently in your system. You're you're going to have a few guys that are going to have to slide in from those spots. What it probably means are the guys that right now are your fourth line guys, they might rather than getting the next bump on their next contract, they just might be replaced right. by the guys well, coming clear, up. I mean, the clearly, system. like to me, if and let's talk, let's talk a little bit more about this after after uh, uh, we talk about some of our sponsors here. But you know that that to me is clear. Like like Marcus Foligno signs on the dotted line; it's proof positive he's not being replaced in the organization by Brandon Duham. That Duham in the last year of his deal is probably leaving. And I guess that's my biggest thing is from a cost standpoint. And clearly in Billy's eyes, Marcus Foligno or Brandon Duham is no Marcus Foligno. And he didn't look at him as a suitable replacement. And I think in a lot of people's eyes, would it have been a better contract to just say, all right, use Marcus as a trade ship or let him walk and resign Brandon at four times two or something like that and save some money there as a the, younger guy. And That's where you have to look at the personality too. Mm-hmm. And Brandon Duham, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with him. But he's not the leadership presence inside that room mm-hmm. that Marcus Foligno is. You know, yet. But, I mean, you know, one's seven years younger. Um, you know, who knows what he could be. I don't know. They, they know him better than us. Uh, but, but, but I don't know. We could talk a little bit more about this after this break. But I want, want to tell everybody that this is your last chance for unbeatable home comfort. That's right. Aquarius Home Services fall blowout sale. It's ending soon. Dive into their amazing 25% discount on a complete whole home heating and cooling system or a whole home Connecticut water treatment system. I got them both in my house. Whether it's upgrading your old furnace or an air conditioner or elevating your home's water quality, Aquarius is your answer. Whether your water is city-based or from a well, they have the solution. And you've been toying with the idea of upgrading your heating and cooling system? Well, don't wait. Grab this one-time offer before Minnesota's relentless winter hits. And you know it's coming that crisp in the air is already. It's supposed to be like 43 at the Gophers game this weekend. Uh, their high-efficiency furnaces bring not just premium comfort, but also financial benefits. October 14th is the last chance to grab this ultimate home upgrade and substantial 25% off savings, so act fast. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And as always, don't forget to mention that Russo sent you. Here's a word from Chris Lindell Real Estate. A guaranteed cash offer from Chris Lindell Real Estate is exactly what you need right now. Everyone can see the real estate market is cooling off quickly. Well, don't be one of the houses that doesn't sell. Be a smart seller and get a guaranteed cash offer today. There are no commissions, no repairs, and no open houses. Chris Lindell Real Estate's guaranteed offer puts you in control so you can sell your home fast. The economy and housing market are becoming more uncertain, and homeowners just like you want to make sure you cash in on your equity. And that's why thousands of clients work with Chris Lindell Real Estate. They have over 4,000 five-star reviews because their guaranteed offer works. You sell your home quickly, stress-free, and move when it's convenient for you. 
Just go to chrislindahl.com for a free, no obligation, guaranteed cash offer. It's available 24 hours a day. They'll make you an as-is cash offer on your home fast. Whether it's a total fixer-upper or in perfect condition, Chrislindahl Real Estate's guaranteed cash offer is the easiest way to sell your home. To find out what your guaranteed cash offer would be, go to chrislindahl.com right now and start packing. Terms and conditions apply. Here's a word from Bosch Law Firm. Hey, hockey fans. Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. All right, back here, worst seats in the house, Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta. Um, we were you talking say about, it's supposed to be 40 degrees this weekend? Yeah, that's what uh, Joe Smith told me, and he is never wrong. He's going to that game, so he uh, so he would know. He's going to the. He's a big Michigan guy. He went to Michigan. Michigan's in town, so he's going. To I'm that. more worried about. I have a golf tournament on Sunday, and it's got to be warmer than that because uh, one of our good friends, the oldest guy in our fantasy hockey league, will complain all day if it's in the 40s. Um, we should have Margo come on and ask what she thinks of all this golf recently. There hasn't been actually. There hasn't been very much. Were you at, just out of town? Well, that we're was, like incommunicado. Was almost two weeks ago. It feels like it was last week. It wasn't it recently. It yeah, was, it was last week. Yeah, Even Margo's it was correcting it. Yeah, yeah, I was for a couple days, but I haven't. I, I haven't. finally texted Margo. I'm like, can you do me a favor? Can you just text? <laughs> like, first of all, where is Anthony? And can you just text him to reply to this text, please? It was. I didn't know when I was coming back. I wish everybody I could hear that's, Margo that's, right now. Don't you a, think that Margo should be on this podcast? I could buy a third mic. She can she can use mine. I'm sure she would love it. But she is right. I did leave for a golf tournament and didn't know that when I was coming back. But it was a fun tournament with a cool deal. We had 20 guys that I think 16 of us graduated from high school together and maybe 15. And then there was like one, two guys a year older than me, one guy a year younger. So basically 20 guys that graduated together 30 plus years ago. And I remember when Gianni was born, you didn't know when you were coming back from that uh, like wedding party, right? It, well, I knew when I was coming back, it was a wedding. Uh, okay. it was, I, was, I had to leave Margo and Gianni in the hospital to get to the rehearsal dinner. <laughs> and then we came home. It was that when I came home, I didn't realize that Margo would have checked herself out of the hospital already without me. She went to Target. Mm-hmm. With a 14-hour-old baby. <laughs> yeah. Still, my one of my favorite Margo There's stories. Just a when few, the person's few like, those "Oh, kind of, yeah. look at the little baby! How old?" And she's like, 14 hours." Yeah, it was. That's that's a story that will be repeated for a few years. Whenever it's questioned whether or not I was attentive as a husband and a <laughs> father when yeah. the kids were little. All right, let's go back to the uh, Felino stuff because I, I do think that fans. This is the stuff they're talking about, and you know, the one thing. Um, you know, I, I know that you're saying role players, but there's only so many spots in the lineup. And Kaprizov's going to get 100 years if he wants on his next contract. Eriksenak, we know, is going to be still signed long term. Um, you know, uh, Boldy just signed for seven. 
Uh, Rossi, if all goes well, he's going to sign long term. You just gave Felino essentially five. Goudreau just got five. So where do these kids play? Like, where, when do, like, um, I, they must not think of the world of Adam Beckman or Sammy Walker at this point, but you got all these kids coming, these ballyhooed prospect forwards. I know they're not ready yet, but eventually they are going to need roles in this lineup, spots in this lineup. Yeah, but I'd say most of them, the guy, the higher end offensive prospects are at least two, if not three years away. Yeah. And at that point, now you're talking about Zuccarello's contract is going to expire. Johansson's contract will have expired. That's where those guys fit. Mm -hmm. And then in your bottom six, you've now got guys locked up like Gaudreau and Felino. Ryan Hartman is yet to be determined, but I could see Ryan Hartman being, I could see him being either one of those guys. If he agrees, and I, it sounds like he really wants to stay here, and I, I don't know why he wouldn't, but he could be in your top six, but he'd be a very effective third line right. pain in the butt center mm-hmm. that could also score a little right. bit. So I think he's a guy that's got value that way. And I just, I look at Ryan Hartman's contract, maybe I'll be wrong and we'll find out by the podcast coming out that he resigns, but he's got to be part of him's got to be like, you just signed your third line left wing at four times four. Well, sorry, I'm your number one center. And you know, like, that's where my number got to start. At a minimum, you got to pay him three and a half. If you, if he, I hate to say it like this, but if Ryan's got any self-respect, he doesn't take a cent less than three and a half. Like, like he, he the the organization does owe him here. He gave them a, he did them a hell of a hell of a you know favor a couple of years ago, and they got to pay him now. Yeah, I don't know that I'd say anybody ever owes anybody because you did a favor. Both sides always negotiate the best mm-hmm. deal they can get, and if Hartman thought he was going to get a significantly better deal he would have either not signed it or forced the hand to move him somewhere. There's He wouldn't have signed it if he thought right. it was that far below what his market value was. I agree with you. He has likely put himself in a spot where he's, he deserves a lot more money than he's getting. But he also, you have to look at it and say, I like the fit here in Minnesota. I like the fact that right now I'm playing with Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello for potentially the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. I think this organization values me enough where even if all of a sudden a first-line center emerges, whether mm-hmm. it be one of their prospects or that they can go spend extra money to go get them, mm-hmm. that there's still going to be a place for me here. Right. Sees how Freddie Gaudreau has flourished in a third-line-ish role. I just, I don't see any, I think there's some value in all that. And I, I would never go into it, and I'm not a player, so... They all have a, a chip inside them, a competitive spirit that helps to separate them. But I would never go in saying, well, if he got that, then if I get less than this, it's a slap mm-hmm. in my face. Yeah. I think it's, you make the best deal you can make. You understand that the team's got some limitations. And if you want to be here, this is the best we can do. And I, Chuck Fletcher used to always say it, and Billy Garen said it the other day when he joined Ryan Carter and I in the booth. And he said, if both sides want to get it done, it's easy to make a deal. If mm-hmm. both sides, if their true motivation is to get it done, then we'll work it out. And I think that's what it sounds like it is here with both well, with and, Billy and, and Ryan Hartman. Part of, I mean, his way of negotiating is very different than a lot of people. Like, like he does not BS these agents. He doesn't start, like Marcus Foligno, he doesn't start at $2 million. He He calls them up and says, this is what I'm offering you. 
this is what we can pay you. I'm not moving. And clearly, four times four was really quick uh, on Pat Morris because it basically happened in one call. Um, you know, I, I, what was the rush, though? Like, like he's coming off a seven-goal season. If this team does go south this year, you've just locked up two of your best trade picks, pick assets. Um, you know, like yeah, that I guess, was the one part that was I thought was a little strange was the fact that you these are guys that could have been moved. The only thing I'd say is let's say Zuccarello starts off like a house of fire, which mm -hmm. with a healthy Hartman and healthy Kaprizov isn't out of the realm of possibility that this guy piles up 50 points in the first 50 games of the season or somewhere in that neighborhood. And now you're saying, well, he's never going to sign now for two times. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm, it's really not Matt's. So I'm more talking about Marcus on right. that one. And like, somebody I, you know, would have loved to have grabbed him like, at the they, deadline. They, sure. Hey, there is no doubt that four times four is what Marcus would probably get on the open market. Uh, somebody, he is a valued. Right. And that's player. why I'm saying that I yeah. think it's a, if you just look at the deal itself, it's, it's probably, it's not out of the realm. It's not a way out of whack contract. Right. And that's what I think Billy values so much. Guys who play the game the right way, who handle themselves the right way on and off the ice, that he knows this team, when you start to look at the guys coming, they don't have a guy like this. Yeah. And not that he's irreplaceable. And they clearly don't think it's Dewey. Right. Yeah. And, and he's been injury prone, more yep. so than Felino has. Yep. So I, I just don't think you can look and say, well, let's expect a young guy to step in and be the guy that goes out and answers yep. the bell against the other team's yep. No, Marcus guy, is no matter a one-of-a-kind player in this league right now. And, right, and, and um, we don't say that yeah. to mean like he's the MVP yeah, or no, that he's but, irreplaceable, but, but, but there aren't many like Bill him. What Bill values he right. brings, and he loves the guy. I think he sees a lot of him in in Marcus Foligno. Only Billy scored a ton of goals um, and was, was a you know U.S. But Hockey Hall of Famer. We talked earlier about Foligno's two seasons. Two years ago, he, he's a 42-point guy. 21 goals, if I remember right. And then last yep. year, he went down to 21 points, seven goals. He's a lot closer. I don't think we're going to see 22 goals and 45 points again. And he was majorly hurt last year. He was. But I think we'll see something that's closer yep. to that, maybe a 15 and 30 type, 15 and 35 type player. And, and a guy yeah. that's responsible that can now all of a sudden, Marco Rossi, Polino, and Goudreau, yeah. That can be a pretty solid third yeah. line that also has a little punch to make you to punish you yeah. if if I, you I take just, chances. You know, against I, I do think that part of it is there's pressure, obviously, from Craig Leopold to win, and to do that, the only way to create roster spots for these kids coming is to essentially let these guys go and then put these stop gaps in that are essentially cause you not to win as you wait for these kids, and I think that's part of the problem. Um, that they that they always face is that they want to win now, but yet you have these prospects that are going to eventually need spot. Like if if Ogren and first of all, if Rossi is turns out to be the player that they all think he can be, um, you know, if Ogren, if Huznadinov, if Yurov are studs, if you know Hunter Haight and Riley Haight, Haight who are a long way off, complaining, and I get all that, are going to be uh, you know studs eventually. They're going to need spots now. In the organization knows them best. They don't know yet officially what they have yet. They haven't been over, you know, they haven't turned pro and things like that. So, you know, I, you you get the rationale on both sides, but I think from a 
a wild fan perspective, I think they're just uh, perplexed that Bill has fallen in love with a core that so far under his regime is 0-4 in the first round and um, and has blown series leads in three of those four series. You know, I mean, it is, you know, against St. Louis, they were up. Against Dallas, they were up. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, actually, all four. They were up in Vegas and they were up in the uh, Vancouver series. Yeah, and so Vancouver they were, was a little goofy because yeah, it's, it's a qualifying round thing, and, and it's and they yeah. won game one. Yeah, and but I I also think it's unfair to judge and to say that in his regime or under his regime because it's gonna it takes I, a no, couple I, of years yeah, no, for I'm it to saying, become I'm not his saying like team. That. Yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm saying more so that that. They are zero and four with him as the GM, and yet the core that has done that, he has largely said, "All right, I'm going to resign you, and resign you, and resign." Yeah, except you. that the core when he arrived included Parisi and Suter, right, and Koivu and Stahl and all right. those guys. So it was a, it, this is a very different team now, yeah. and the very different team playing as they as the they famously have said, with one hand tied behind your back because you have to be fifteen million dollars right. under the cap. So I think the time to judge. Has he built the roster the right way? Is in two seasons, right? And not now, that they're not going to try to compete this year and next, but that's when you look at it and say, "All right, this plan when you came in here to turn this roster over, stay competitive while doing it, not rebuilding." Made the playoffs so far each time. Let's assume they make the playoffs the next two years, even if they don't make a deep playoff run. But now you're looking at it and saying. You turned the roster over. You stayed competitive while doing it. And now here's where your plan comes to fruition. Mm -hmm. Did it work or not? That's, I think, when you can truly evaluate whether this plan worked. Yeah. Um, on the other side of the coin, selfishly, I would, uh, you know, from a beat writer's perspective, I, I wish Marcus was signed for eight more years. I mean, that guy is just an absolute uh, gem to deal with. I mean, heck, he was our photographer in the athletic today of lead photo. The only uh, second best art we've ever had here was uh, from Margo. So, uh, so, but yeah, I mean, like, like you, but you get what I'm saying. Like Ryan Hartman, Matt Zugarello, uh, Marcus Felino, from our perspective, uh, that's always. And uh, that goes back to what yeah. we said, what I said earlier, that Good they've people. been so careful about getting the right person in here, the right guy in whatever the role that I think that's why you really have to give this time and see if this, and it isn't just for one year either. I think it's two years from now, are they poised to make a run and are they poised to sustain it? Mm -hmm. And we'll find out. Um, I might've said this on last week's show, but Natalie Darwitz, I sat down with her last week and she was talking about how incredible the wild and especially Bill Guerin have been uh, in assisting her with a lot of things going on. And I'll be writing about that. I think for Friday, um, but the one thing that she said that was one great advice that she got from Bill Guerin going into her first draft was draft good people. So that is always uh, what Bill Guerin's uh, rationale is. Um, let's talk about the roster moves today, Anthony. Then uh, on the other side of the break, we'll we'll go into uh, Twitter questions. We have a lot of good ones this week. Um, today, you know, no surprises. We have been talking on this podcast for it feels like weeks, but certainly all training camp that um, they were going to probably only keep 12 forwards coming out of camp because the only way, and I know I got some questions on what do you mean all the time when you say accrue cap space, but the only way that they could accrue cap space to enable to afford the Adam Beckmans and the Sammy Walkers, guy that that guys that make more than $818,000 that they have in available cap space right now, uh, yes, Jesper Walsh, that's another one. They cannot call him up right now. They can't afford him. 
um, is to carry 12 forwards and on a daily basis gain more and more cap space. And I'll explain that when I get to the question, uh, what I mean by that. But today they put uh, Jujer Kara has had a great camp. He put they, he was put on waivers. He's a guy that's not accustomed to being in the minors since 2016, I think it is. Uh, Vinny Letary, Dakota Burmis, and Nick Patan on waivers. And then today Volstead and Sammy Walker were reassigned. They don't have uh, waiver eligibility yet. They're exempt. Um, so – Right now, we know the lineup. We know the opening night lineup to a T as long as nobody gets hurt in these next two exhibition games. There, I don't think there was any question all along that this is what they had to do. And by putting those guys on waivers, if they clear, I'd say there's, I don't know what the, I don't think anybody will claim Dakota Mermis. Be mildly surprised if somebody claimed Letary. And part of that is he's got a big AHL salary on his, on the two-way contract and a two-year contract. So yep. that might scare some teams away. And I think the Wild would love it if it scared teams away. They'd love to have this guy yeah. be their extra middle six mm -hmm. to top nine forward in the minor yeah. leagues. Kara, I think, is Kara a little is more interesting risk. because yeah. there are some teams out there that I think could look at him and say, is he better than our third or fourth line center or wing right now? And I think there are some teams out there that, for whom he might be an, an upgrade. Yeah. And I was a little, I, I mean, I, you know, I don't know the ins and outs. I was a little surprised that they put him on waivers now because, you know, don't you want to see if you get what healthy? If somebody gets yeah, hurt? Like, like, can you imagine they lose a center tomorrow and now you've just lost care on waivers before the game? Like it just, I don't know. I mean, they, they, they figure this stuff out. They do all the calculations of who need player. They're looking at all 31 lineups. I'm not. Right. Um, but, it, and, and sometimes maybe if you do it early, uh, you know, maybe that allows you maybe. to sneak them through. And before. maybe they don't have somebody hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So the, that same rationale could be used there. And, and then once they clear, you can move them. And that I think would help too, because then you have a little flexibility in this first road trip. I don't think they bring an extra guy because you've got an extra off day in Montreal where if you needed to get a guy up there, but you start to look ahead at the next trip where you're Philadelphia, Washington, New Jersey with back-to-back -back games, you almost have to have a 13th forward with you on that trip because it could be a little bit of a pain to get somebody out there the next morning if there's an injury, not impossible, but you'd probably be safer to bring a 13th guy with you. I think it'll just depend on the trip, depend on the, you know, if guys are fighting through nagging Where injuries or things like that. Like if I was going up to Canada, you know, like there's going to be those type of right. things too. Um, if you're out but in the West Coast and they're they out can, in Hamilton. Right, and, each day they can play with just their 12 forwards and seven defensemen. Yeah. They create a little more of a cushion against the cap for the season. Right. And we could talk about that uh, a little bit uh, in a second. Um, you know, it's just, there's really not much more to say. Like I know that fans are up in arms that guys like Walker and those guys can't make the team, but they're not, again, the, the it just comes down to what Anthony just said. Sammy Walker, if the wild are healthy is not getting in the top 12. So there's no reason to have him on right. the team right now. Uh, Kara, if he he's not playing over Juror, Duhame, or Maroon, so that's why he's not here. It's got it had to be a hard conversation with Kara today, um, just because he again this is somebody that hasn't been to the AHL in a long, long time. Um, all right, um, why don't you tell us about Twill? Well, I'm excited to visit Twill. I just went down there a couple of weeks ago and talked to Scott Dayton, took a look at some of their fall stuff. I think we talked about it on an earlier show. It's a great time of year to be turning your wardrobe over into the different layering options, and they've got some great ones. 
I'm a big like quarter zip sweater guy. I want to go down there and take a look. I'm going to add a couple of those to my wardrobe for the fall. And I'm also going to pick up a new black suit for this season that he's got set aside for me. So I'm anxious to get back in there before the start of the hockey season, check out their ties as well. But it's a great spot to go to get you ready for the fall and winter season. It's Twill at the Galleria in Edina. And here's a word from Royal Credit Union. Get $250 when you switch to a Royal Credit Union checking account. When I go to Royal, I feel very connected there. See details and open your account by November 15th at rcu.org slash checking bonus. Insured by NCUA. All right, final segment of Worst Seats in the House for this week. Again, the next live show is October 11th at Elsie's. Uh, Two-for-one grain belts. It's the night before the home opener, so a lot to talk about. It'll be a fun trip. Maybe we'll even get Joe Smith down there for a little bit. Uh, who knows? Uh, Kathy asks, uh, the new pro women's team will be playing at Exile Energy Center. Any idea what their partnership with the Wild will look like this season? Um, well, as you mentioned, um, uh, of the 24 games, right now there's going to be 12 home, 12 road, but there's also going to be some neutral site games and markets that I believe that the league would like to consider expanding to in the next year or so. Um, so not necessarily that all 12 home games will be at Exile Energy Center, but one of the neatest things is that uh, originally, the women's team, uh, which has not yet been named, uh, it was going to play out in Richfield. That would be their practice facility. Um, but uh, Natalie Darwitz called the Wild. She obviously has a, um, um, a relationship with Tria Rink because she used to coach Hamlin, and that's where they practice and played. Um, and so she called and basically said, can we turn a bunch of locker rooms there into our facility? And so right now that is in the works. Uh, they are looking to blow that stuff out and uh, create a trainer's room, an equipment room, uh, locker rooms for them um, and all that. So uh, Bill Guerin has been a big catalyst in this as well. Um, Travis down that runs the rink as well. So uh, that, that, that looks like it's, uh, it's in the works right now. Uh, here's I know a- the wild are, they would love to help in any way they can. They just have some limitations yes. and arena availability is one of them. And I know the league talked about the fact that they didn't want to play games in buildings where they were a secondary tenant, like a Ritter arena or something like that here in town, ideally. But the truth is you just start blocking out dates that with all the other things that XL Energy Center has on their schedule, and it isn't as easy as just, hey, let's just give them 12 days. You have to get 12 days that mesh with everything yeah. else that's happening I think, there. Yeah, I think the NHL is actually uh, helping, their schedule makers actually helping that out for that reason, because all the you know all the teams in the league, the original six, are playing in uh, markets um, uh, that, that are in NHL cities. And then there's going to be really cool things, like I think they're talking about maybe playing and opening the season at the Winter Classic, uh, things like that. Um, Adam, favorite candy bar of all time? Here's a weird question. These must be leftovers from last week. Ooh. Mine's Twix. I remember I used to love I Twix. I did like Twix bars when I was a kid. I was more of a like fruity candy guy, so I liked more like bubble gum and like rain blow gum uh-huh. was my favorite. But favorite candy bar? Twix would have been close if it wasn't. Oh, you know what I liked? I liked whatchamacallits. Oh, nice. Very cool. Um... I can't think of another one that I really actually I used to hate often. what you call I just realized. So that is just not a shock. Yeah. That I would hate something that you love. <laughs> um Logan Johnson. Now this is this clearly was an old one. Uh, besides open practice, Zamsoil, what's on the agenda for the team's uh trip to Duluth? Um if you re- read my story yesterday, they uh stayed up at Lardsmont and they uh they they got the saunas there overlooking 
uh, Lake Superior, so they did a lot of that. Uh, Sammy Walker grabbed the guitar and belted out tunes uh, both nights. A lot of guys are still recovering from that trip, talking to them the last couple of days. A lot of guys. You know, that exhibition game in Chicago is going to be interesting with uh, coming off the Duluth trip where there was some partying, and then uh, then they, uh, they all had a sweet down at the Twins game today. And then they're leaving for an exhibition game at like two o'clock, getting it at three thirty. That should be an interesting. Uh, It'll game be interesting, there. but I yeah. don't think it was a coincidence that the the kind of practice that they had today was the kind of practice they had today. It was a hard one. It was a sweat out the sweat booze. out some toxins and yeah. get ready to go to work practice. And yeah, they looked good. It was, but they skated hard for almost a full hour. It was yeah. They, it was a hard workout today. Uh, uh, the other thing, if you're asking what was my on my agenda, I had a fun trip. I, I went to three breweries, which you know that's not usually my thing, and a distillery. I went to Fitker's, uh, Ursa Minor, Hoops. Uh, I have a friend there that's the brewmaster, uh, Casey. Um, went to Ursa Minor, met a bartender there at the Fitker's there, so I went over there with a buddy. Um, Fitker's is a good spot. Yeah, I Fitker's good. I had a park one. ranger from Silver Bay on my right and this bartender from Ursa Minor on my left. And then I went to a distillery, Vikra. Awesome place. Uh, I haven't so been there. Fun trip. Had a couple good meals. I went to uh, two Italian restaurants, one with uh, a friend of our podcast named Grant. He coaches up in uh, in um, Cloquet. He used to play uh, hockey there and with, and with his girlfriend. So that was a fun first night there. All right, Logan Johnson, uh, good question. Uh, Jared Mill, uh, we, we, you asked about... Uh, about the PWHL team. I'll be writing about Natalie this week. All right, let's get to this week's uh, questions. Um, here's a good one. Trey Wade goes, the Wild get to the deadline with a crude cap space. They need to upgrade their third pair D. Need an expiring economical contract and a good locker room guy. Would they bring Matt Dumba right back at the deadline? You know what's funny about that question is that Matt Dumba has been essentially untradeable in the league the last several years. Who's one guy that would probably be interested in trading for him? The guy that absolutely loves him in Bill Guerin. Yeah, I think they would for sure consider it. Yeah. And I that I thought his deal was a great deal for him just for that reason. One year, manageable number. Three very, nine, I think it is. I know it was in the threes. Very likely that Arizona will not be in playoff contention. And I think somebody would trade for Matt, depending on the year he has, and let's just assume everything's about the same as it's been. I think Garen would bring him back here at the deadline in a heartbeat. Minute. I totally if, agree. But if they keep have. in mind, the Wild right now have seven defensemen, mm -hmm. and the only way Dumbo would fit here would be if one of those guys had been injured or out, Right. that Kalen Addison hasn't cut it right. as a defender where you can't afford to just have yeah. him in the lineup as your power play guy. There'd have to be some things that didn't work to have that be the guy the Wild were going to bring yep. in rather than a forward of some yep. kind. Uh, Bruce Siski, funny question. Uh, did Ryan Hartman's putt to win the golf event for the players Monday help or hurt his leverage in contract talks? <laughs> it's got to be hurt. I don't Bill Guerin was on the losing side was, there as, as I, one of the best golfers. I think what it hurt was the team's conditioning the next day <laughs> because I think Dean and Billy's kind of wired the same way. They have a lot of respect for guys who compete like that on the golf course. Yeah, but uh, as D as I wrote in my story, they made they, they made, made Ryan in conditioning, <laughs> some, yeah, right? But bad. they also yeah. it's also done yeah, with a little yeah, bit it's of not, a, yeah. It's not like hey, we're offering you three point two now. It's three point one. Right, uh, Bryce Muskego, who I've met, he lives 
This guy lives so far northern Manitoba, I don't think he could drive there. He has to, like, fly everywhere. Um, he has to uh, go into the Twin Cities for the first time for back-to-back -back games with the Jets plus Vikings uh, Sunday night football game. What are some things to do while I'm there, specifically for New Year's? What would you suggest that Bryce does when he is in the Twin Cities? Ooh, uh, New Year's Eve? It's Stay a little, in. <laughs> little different than coming here in the summertime. Yeah, yeah it... Well, well I'll, t I'll tell you, I mean, there are some really cool places downtown. The, the, the puttery is like the new big thing down there. It's yeah, I walked puttery. through there. I haven't yeah. participated, but I did walk through it. It seems like the type of place that you're going to annoy us with by bringing us down there and having us in some stupid competition one day. Yeah, that's a, there's a chance yeah. of that. What's the uh, Punch Drunk uh, place? Punch Bowl yeah, Social. Yeah, they got everything there. Uh, that's in the West End, St. Louis Park. Tom Reed's yeah. Bar. If you've never been here, you've got to check out Tom Reed's. It's a hockey museum. Yeah. Um, any good restaurants that you'd suggest for him? Yeah. He's, it, if I remember, he's he's young 20s. Well, I, I mean, I love the, the North Loop area, so I, La Grasse is one of my favorites, but how can we Top not golf. send him to Baltimore? Baltimore yeah. would be a great spot. The I For Italian, I like going down to Terzo in South Minneapolis or La Grola in St. Paul, I think, are both good. But, I, you know, Again, it's like around, young 20s. He doesn't, yeah. So go down, check out Stillwater. I mean, New Year's Eve's not <laughs> yeah. the best. It's better to be down there in the summer, but it's a cool little town within the cities. And I don't know. We'll have to give some thought to that and get go back to it. some of the lakes. Uh, obviously, it'd be awesome. All right. Uh, another question for Bryce. Yeah, lakes. I don't know. Go ice skating or something. <laughs> when was the last time you went to the lakes in December or January? Never. <laughs> I mean, don't go to the lake. I don't know, man. It's better than sending him to a place where it's going to be $200 per person, like you just said. Well, I'm the, if he wants to have a good meal, but I, go still go to Stillwater, go bar hopping. I guess there's a river nearby if you want to just get your fill of liquid. <laughs> you can go ice fishing on the lakes. All right. You go down to, I tell you what, if he wants to go ice fishing down on, what's the Lake Calhoun now called? Whatever it is. I'll tell him to go text you, and you two can go down there and go ice fishing together. I'll come down just to watch because yeah. I think that would, be, I'd love to watch you and this guy ice fish. All right. Um, Bryce asks also, uh, <laughs> what, what should the wild do? In between the, ice fishings. Yeah. And he has an actual wild question too. All right. Bryce is going to love this podcast. Uh, what should the wild do with the projected 87 point to 88 million gap space they've got for next year? Well, you know, one thing I would say, when I keep on writing, they got $16 million for next year now after signing $8 million to Felino and uh, Zuccarello. I am guessing that the cap is going up there. So that includes um, all these guys. So, um, you know, obviously, Durer, Duham, they're, they, you know, Addison, these are RFAs. Um, you know, Hartman's going to get a chunk of this. I mean, my guess is after Hartman, they're going to have $12 million. And uh, so we'll have to see, but they're not going to have a ton of cap space. Um, over there, uh, Lance, we talked a lot about your question about, um, you know, spots being up for grabs. Um, Zach says, do you think that they might switch up the lines a bit in the last two preseason games or just the lines we have been seeing in practice? Like maybe Rossi, Rossi with uh, Kaprizov and Zuccarello or Boldy and Johansson. I think they're playing the lines. I mean, we haven't even seen Dewar play with one shift in a regular, in a game yet with, uh, Maroon and, and Duham. Um, I, I think they're going to play their lines and, and I do too. These are going to be, and I, I wouldn't do it any other way. I, you've got to give these guys. And I think with the timing of the roster moves, 
today it makes it easier to yeah. not feel tempted to throw somebody else in there. Yeah. Now, if somebody gets banged up Thursday night and they call somebody up to play Saturday, that's different. Yeah. But I'd want to see 60 minutes of these line combos and these deep pair in these last two games. Yeah. Uh, Tyler, I'm just laughing still at the uh, what's the name of Lake Cal. <laughs> What's it called? It's, it, it has a new lake. Yeah, I know. It's a new name. Um, I'll have to Google it. We're both going to probably get canceled after this. Uh, Tyler says... My apologies uh, to the new name. I just can't remember what it is. Margo's okay, probably, having, the, the Margo's lake, probably hyperventilating the lake back there that you the street about from the Calhoun Beach Club. Yeah, yeah. How about exactly. That? And that golf... What's the cool golf course there? Uh, it's like the oldest like golf course and like yeah theater worth is down no not theater worth it starts um, in the M no yeah I was gonna say we get canceled from them too yeah there's a Whole Foods there used to be Burger Jones yep used to be the fish place yeah uh, Stella's Fish House yep see all down in that neighborhood <laughs> we're just trying to send business down yeah. there who was it uh, one of the wild players lived in oh you know who it was lived in the in the penthouse at the Calhoun Beach Club it was Pavel Dimitri um, Tyler says, uh, would you rather be on the GM? This is an interesting question. Would you rather be on the GM scout or coach equipment side of the business? Which role would you take if all options were available? Um, well, I'd probably want to be, a, I, I mean, neither, GM you, scout is you're talking about opposite sides of the grand Canyon, right? And coach or equipment guy is about, I'll tell you about what, the same split. If you I mean, want job the, security. If you want yeah. job security, be the equipment manager. I mean, yeah. do you, every team's equipment guy. Are you saying that guy, Tony DaCosta couldn't be fired? I, I'm just saying that every equipment manager on like every team in the league has been there for like ever. It's like, you know, it's, it's yeah. like. So the are, two things, are, actually both of them have yeah. some symmetry there. Scouts, same thing. Yeah. The scouts usually survive GM changes. So yeah. for the job, for the I'd rather be the GM or the coach. For the job security, I'll take the scout or the equipment guy. But I, I'd much rather – I'd love to be the coach because I, I like the game-in, game-out reward of winning or losing. And I've been a GM in print for 29 years, so – uh, that's true. <laughs> so I, I would like it, I'd like it for real. things that way. All right. But. All right. Here's the question everybody's been waiting for. Uh, Snowrider 24 underscore seven underscore uh, named Mike goes, can you explain how a team can accrue cap space throughout a season? That part of it confuses me quite a bit. All right. So basically the way it works is that every team has an 83 and a half million dollar cap space, but it starts at zero. It really. So every team has a play has, has every player then has a cap hit. It's four million dollars. Let's just say for um, let's just let's just take uh, Kirill Kaprizov for example. Makes nine million dollars. You would take nine million. You would divide that by the number of days in a season. Usually, it's between one eighty and one ninety. Let's just say it's one eighty five. You would take nine million divided by one eighty five, and per day, that is what gets charged to the Wilds cap. And then every day that you are under the max amount of cap hit in there, you gain a little more space because you haven't hit that threshold. So the wild essentially have $818,000 right now. If you take Sammy Walker's contract, 855 divided by 185, again, I haven't counted up the days in the season, that would be a certain amount of money per right. day. If he was up every day all season, right. it would that would be the, the rest would be of your cap. 855. 
But if it, to get to him, you have to go, I figured it out today, about nine days of them being at 12 forwards to get through that to afford to now turn that 818 to being over 855 that would allow him to squeeze in there. So basically, if they had a league minimum forward, uh, which uh, Patan makes 762, uh, Letary makes 775, Kara makes 775 on the roster, the Wild would have $43,000 of cap space right now. By them sending those guys down, they have 818. They cannot afford Sammy Walker at 855, so they have to go nine days. You calculate that, that would get them right. back and, up to And being. the challenge with this is there are going to be some days where you have a guy who's out for two days. Right. Well, you can't, you don't want to put him on injured reserved or on where you gain some cap relief because you're only going to be missing him for two days. Right. Now you call a guy up, you pay him by the day that he's up there. Yep. So they right now are in a spot where you could keep one of the players you mentioned for a whole mm -hmm. season, but you're better off if you keep them for half right. a season. And now essentially the cap hit gets divided in half. Right. Which brings, um, so again, so everybody understands, team cap hit is calculated by each day there of the season, and then for every day they're on the roster, that team's cap hit is basically the full cap hit divided by the number of days in the season, and then once that player's on the roster, you just, you know, you assume that they're going to be there the whole year, and that's why suddenly if that player was on the roster, it would go down to like, you know, pennies, but then when they're sent back down, suddenly they gain a heck of a lot more cap space and blah, 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 blah. But that brings me to another interesting question, and I got to find it here. Um, but somebody asked, it was a really good question on that vein. Can you go swimming in January? Yeah, can you go uh, ice fishing on a lake in January? Um, I'll give you $1,000 right now if you can name the lake Calhoun. Ooh, I think it starts with a B. I think it does. But All right. Uh, um. I got to find this question. Oh, here it's next. All right. Max has a great question. Um, is it allowed or possible for the wild to reassign Brock Faber and Marco Rossi to Iowa between games in order to accrue cap space faster? If people don't remember, they actually did this a couple years ago, a lot in the second half of the season. Um, the way the problem with that though, is the league would absolutely scrutinize this where they would make Brock Faber and make sure that Brock Faber and Marco Rossi were physically going to Iowa between games. And I don't think the wild one would do that to either of those players. It's hard to do that to a full-time roster guy. Um, they used to, you know who they did it a ton with was Matt Boldy, if I remember correctly. Um, and they basically had to, uh, but with, Faber and Rossi, I cannot imagine they would absolutely do that. I can't imagine the league would do it. The other thing is the agent is that, yes, you save cap space, but you're also saying to Brock Faber and Marco Rossi, you're losing your NHL salary those days. They would get such crap from the agents, from the league. They would be branded as it would be a an absolute nightmare uh, scenario for them to even consider something like that. I'm not saying at second half they don't have to try doing a little funky stuff like that. But that is absolutely not the two players to do that to, or you are going to start pissing off agents, and then your team's going to start to get branded as a team that you don't want to place players in. Well, that's, I think, the biggest thing is you don't want the reputation of being a guy who treats players like that. I'm trying to remember who the, there was. A, because they're referred to as paper transactions, where you know yeah. the guy's never going to actually play in Iowa. But I don't remember who it was. There was somebody that they... They kept sending down and calling back up 
every other day late in the year. And I don't think it was Boldy. I think it was older than that, but it may have been. But you're right. And the it might have been Connor Durr. It could have been. Yeah. I just remember somebody that was like called up and down. I think it was eight times. Yeah, I late when it was season. Boldy. I'll, I'll try to figure that out. Um, ice is nice, but good good questions back to back. Uh, regarding Mark Carson Lambos, a uh, high pick that can skate, think he has the ability to force Garen's hand and be a third pair next year. I mean, possibly. I don't think they want to rush guys. Remember, Merrill's got another year left on his deal. So, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, Damon Hunt is probably a little closer. He's got to just figure out ways uh, to stay uh, healthy. Um, Hunt, I think, looks the closest, but I was impressed watching Lambos and O'Rourke play the other night when we did the preseason game. Uh, at Excel against Chicago. I thought both of those guys handled themselves well. Lambos was Lambos confident was really with the good. puck yeah. and, and O'Rourke jumping up in the play. I thought there were a few shifts where they really looked like they have a, they have a chance. Yep. Nate Snyder says on the last podcast, Anthony said he only drinks tea. I can tell you that's not true. Uh, what is his go-to type and brand of tea that he drinks? First of all, you don't only no, drink I tea. only drink during games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I drink an Americano on the way back to the rink. Mm-hmm. And then from that point on, I don't drink coffee anymore on game nights. So I'll get an Americano at 3, let's say 3.15, 3.30 on my way back to the rink. I drink that while I'm doing my prep work. And then go down and have dinner. And when I come back up, it's water or tea the rest of the way. And the, my go-to tea is a good earth matcha. It's, I think they call it sweet and spicy matcha tea. And I carry that with me to every arena just because I want the kind I like. It's the most flavorful tea. They used to have one called Citrus Kiss that I haven't been able to find for a long time. And those are my two favorite, most flavorful teas. And it, But if I happen to be out, I'll drink whatever the team has in the press box. Wait, I'm answering the question. I'm just saying. So, yeah. I know it had nothing to do with you, so probably I'm surprised you paid attention to the end. I think you should just drink Americanos all all <laughs> night and then just keep Margo. Well, I drink one in the home. morning and then I drink one on the way back to the rink, and that's home or road. That doesn't seem like enough coffee. That's ten shots. That's what I drink during the day. Um, by the way, speaking of uh, Americanos, I think I don't know what brought me this. I was talking to Megan Kogut yesterday, the PR person for the uh, Philadelphia Flyers, and we're bringing her that cool little uh, Italian wine and coffee restaurant that we found last season before I went to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so maybe just make sure I don't have any more coffee at that yeah. hour. But we're bringing her there the night before the Flyers game this month. All right. Hoga Madog asks, uh, who do you think should be the favorite to win the Central? Will there be any surprises? I like Dallas. Uh, Dallas and Colorado. Although yeah. Dallas, both teams are really banged up right Those now. are the best, too. I think, I think Dallas and Colorado are the are one, two, Minnesota's probably three, mm-hmm. and then Nashville, Winnipeg are four and five in some order. I guess I would pick Colorado to win the division. I think I, Johansson, I have this funny feeling that he's going to click in Colorado, and all of a sudden we'll see a guy that can score. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a big number for points for him this year. If that happens, I like Colorado. I'll take Colorado. If you have to pick one, you can't pick, well, these are the best two because it's. I think those two are different than the rest of the division. Dallas. 
Right. Uh, I'll go that. Uh, I'm the decider goes, if Garen and Evison didn't constantly use the term, would, would the term grit ever make it into a tweet or an article or a conversation? Um, not sure exactly what that means because gr grit has been a hockey term for as long as I've covered the league and probably since day one. So it's not just because they like the term grit. Um, um, Johnson from Wisconsin says, you mentioned in the last pod that demoting Merrill could provide cap relief. Why can't GM Bill Guerin find a trade partner who seems like a good team for him? Um, I don't know if they can. I mean, I, I, I don't, he makes another one point, uh, 1.2, I think next year. I mean, you know, I just don't see a lot of teams clamoring to get John Merrill right now. Um, Jimmy asks, uh, what's one rule change would you two like to see? I'd like to see if you score a power play that keeps on going. Well, I like a version of that. I like college used to have it. If you scored with the delayed penalty coming, you still got the power play. I wouldn't mind that. I don't think scoring an extra more than one goal on a power play. I, I don't like that rule, but I How do. About I, icing I, the puck on a PK. I wouldn't be opposed to eliminating icing. I wouldn't mind that. But I think if I could make one rule change, it would be to eliminate the shootouts and just play three-on-three -three overtime until you have a winner and a loser. And that's it. Um, final question of the pod comes from Jared Hagen. Uh, any ETA on who gets the A? Final predictions on who gets it between Eric Sinek, Kaprizov, Brodin, Zuccarello, um, who else? I'll, I'll probably... stick with Erickson Eck, who I've thought all along would right. be the logic. And I, I've, I've changed my tune. I think I said on a couple podcasts ago, I think Kaprizov gets it. And in terms of an ETA, um, I'm guessing later this week, the Wild have an off day later this week, right before the regular season starts, maybe the next day at practice, uh, a couple days before the regular season. Uh, I thought they were going to do it up in Duluth, but that was obviously wrong. Uh, so my gut says that at this point, if you've waited this long, you're going to probably do it Wait as like a after jolt. Saturday. Like a jolt going into the regular season. That's That'd be my thing. So my guess is a couple days before the regular season. Uh, he picks Ecker. I pick Kaprizov. Obviously, Brody and Zuccarello are worthy as well. Um, Ecker makes a ton of sense to me as well. Uh, first guy that, I mean, Bargain contract, sign the eight-year deals. We all know how he plays. Um, Kaprizov makes a ton of me for a lot of reasons. One, he's starting to become more of a leader. I think you're going to want to really start showing him the love, and he's their best player. They, they, they. Where he goes, they, you know, uh, is where this team is is going to follow him. So, um, so both are worthy candidates. All right, really fun podcast. Uh, we're going to Google uh, what Lake Calhoun is called right now. We both think it starts with a B. Um, this could be our last podcast. Possibly. Um, our next live show is October 11th at Elsie's. I have a feeling Margo's just hyperventilating. She's back. just rolling her eyes. Yeah. So October 11th um, is uh, our next podcast. It's at Elsie's in downtown Minneapolis. Right before the season. Dashing Northeast, day before the season. Uh, Brandon's our producer. Greenbelt's going to be giving away two-for-ones, uh, so it'll be really fun. Thanks to everybody for joining us at the Aquarius Home Services studio. Thanks to our sponsors, Aquarius Home Services, your local authorized dealer for Connecticut water treatments, Chris Lindahl Real Estate, Bosch Law Firm, Twill and the Edina Galleria, and Royal Credit Union. Talk, everybody, next week. So much coming out, there's nothing going in. I know that you feel like you're never going to win. Oh, but the world